0: Hi, I'm Christina. And I'm Kishwa and welcome to our podcast, Swipe Right at 50
1: really excited to uh, welcome Angela. Angela is a Sydney-based writer and midlife explorer, self-proclaimed. She's uh, passionate about disrupting aging and eschewing the societal script that depicts middle age as the beginning of the long goodbye. She's done heaps of travel and is writing a blog that shares stories of her reimagined second act filled with purpose and passion and curiosity and growth. Welcome to Swipe Right at 50 podcast, Ange. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Our pleasure.
0: Where do I start? There's so many things to jump into there, Angela. But um, first of all, one of the things that caught our attention was this whole idea of the golden gap year. Now, we are recording this in lockdown, so of course it has extra appeal. But Tell us about the golden gap year you had.
2: Yeah, so it was um, 2019. And my youngest child finished school at the end of two thousand and eighteen, and instead of him taking a gap year, I took a gap year. I figured that I deserved a break more than he did, and I so think I took you're off.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I think it should become a thing, just quietly. But so I thought I took off and I spent a year just traveling solo around the world. And as I traveled, I was writing um, and researching my book. And I did so. I started in India. Then I went to Nepal, I went to Bhutan and did was trekking in the mountains of Bhutan and then I went to Croatia, then I rode a bike from Prague to Budapest through Slovakia, Slovenia and Austria. Um, Then I had a month in Spain. I walked 150 kilometres of the Camino pilgrimage. Then I went to Portugal and then to the Greek islands and then I turned 50 in New York. So it was pretty awesome, yes. Um, I think... That for me it was more like I mean it was a fantastic it was a fantastic kind of reboot for me it was like a bookend to one chapter and a, and the start of something new kind of more than just a holiday for me it was also like a rite of passage sort of marked turning fifty the start of a brand new chapter because I should add that just prior to taking off on my golden gap year, as I said I had my youngest son finish school prior to that my elder daughter had um, left home and had moved to America for college. Um, Then my youngest son left home, uh, my marriage had ended, I'd moved countries and my mum died. So there was a lot of endings in that period leading up to that that trip. So for me it was more than just a holiday, it was really just a a chance to kind of restock and reboot and reimagine what was going to come next
0: oh wow you're perfect for our podcast because both Christina and I have had similar you know kind of endings in our 50s and so that's great and why did you use the term golden
2: um so as in like golden jubilee which is you know 50 you know the the celebration of 50 something so was like my my golden gap year because it culminated in a party in New York to celebrate my 50th birthday or my golden jubilee as I called it
1: oh fantastic And the book that you wrote, Ange, was that about the gap year in particular or was it bigger than that? Uh, No, actually
2: I'm currently writing a second manuscript about that gap year. Um, So this book was kind of the lead up to that and sort of about, it's sort of part memoir, part roadmap. It's sort of about the, the transitions and navigating, you know, endings and new beginnings and kind of consciously creating this, curating the second half of your life. So it was kind of like a my way and I didn't actually start to write out a book, write a book about this it's just that I kind of use writing as therapy and I, I write to sort of work out what I know and make sense of the world so I sort of just kept writing and writing and writing and 70,000 words later I was like oh
0: okay that you know <laughs> that, this is almost a book. I have to ask because you know when one traditionally takes the gap year as a sort of end of high school, people backpack. Did you backpack or did you have one of those wheelie? Yeah. Tell us about yeah.
2: Yes, I didn't backpack. I didn't, I certainly wasn't, you know, five starring it, but I also wasn't backpacking. It was sort of somewhere in the middle. There is a thing called flash packing, though, which I've discovered, which is sort of like backpacking for old people that don't want to share bathrooms. So, but so I did, um, I did a mixture of things. I stayed in Airbnbs and some little, you know, boutique, you know, just little kind of bed and breakfast, that sort of style. Um, but I did have a very large wheel on suitcase that was red that became affectionately known as Big Red. And so, big red came everywhere with me, and um, yeah, we did it together, she and I.
1: Nice, oh, nice. Now yeah. I've got a little note to self, Google flash packing. I like it. Packing, Listen, yeah. uh, it's lovely to have you with us, Sanj, because as Kishvar said, you really resonate with what this podcast is, is all about and why we started it. I, I definitely identify with that term transition. My grown kids have, you know, kind of flown the coop. And um, again, my long term marriage ended, same as Kish. So I find that... Um, like you, it's easy to reject that um, stereotype that's out there about what should be happening, and it is, I see, an opportunity to decide um, what you're going to do. Sort of
2: like you've got a whole lot of, you know, empty pages, blank pages in front of you, and you can kind of write it however you like. Yeah. It's quite exciting, actually. When you get over the the endings and the the loss of something and perhaps even the loss of what you imagined it was going to look like, it's actually quite liberating, exciting to think, right, ah, um, I can make this look like whatever I want it to look like, which is,
1: yeah. I cool. agree. Now We learned about Bic Red, which, um, uh, fun fact, is actually a chewing gum in the States. But um, what I'd like to know too is how is travel in your 50s, apart from maybe not backpacking, a different or, or the same from travels kind of that we all did um, when we were younger?
2: Um, yeah, so I did do the, you know, obligatory university backpacking. Um, and it, this look, it was different insofar as I, you know, a lot of people, when I said what I was planning to do, you know, they'd look at me with this look of horror, like I was planning to, you know, climb Everest, you know, nude without oxygen or something like it was completely left field that, you know, a woman of 50 should be thinking of, um, you know, traveling solo. And, but to me, it was, you know, I'm, I'm kind of. Um, I'm introverted to to an extent or I, I sort of I'm a socially selective introvert I think I like to call myself and so I, I don't mind my own company. I quite like my own space to do my own thing and so I loved it. I, there was occasions where I'd be looking at something or experiencing something and and think, oh, you know, it'd been nice asked to have someone to share this with, you know, to be experiencing this with. But for the most part, I couldn't. I was, you know, I was happy. I was fully just in my element. And each day I'd get up and you know, my, my date, I'm also a pretty active person. So um, my style of travel doesn't suit everybody. <laughs> so it's like dawn till dusk, you know, every minute's filled and I'm you know just exploring and walking and biking and hiking and trekking. And um, so it suited me. I quite, I, I loved it. Yeah, and look, apart from, you know, evenings where I got a bit sick of, you know, my sad little one glass of wine and my my book at the table on my own, but, you know, that was, that was good. I met some interesting people along the way. I think that's probably one of the big differences. You don't necessarily meet, like if you're not staying in hostels, etc. cetera, it's, it's hard to kind of meet people as you're travelling just as, you know, yeah. you yeah. with. So, you know, it was a little bit lonely at times, but, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved every second of it. Excellent.
0: And um, had you planned for it in terms of um, financing it? Like we had you been working? Did you take time off? You know, and yeah. how did you spread uh, out your resources throughout the whole year? And, yeah, because when we're younger, we can backpack and it's a bit more economical, live off two-minute noodles, whereas in one's 50s, yeah, you know, yeah, one does crave the odd, you know, healthy meal and can't live off yeah, 2 noodles all the time, yeah.
2: And I look. I had planned for it. I had a fairly strict budget that I did stick to. Mm-hmm. I um, I was working. I was tra- I was writing while I was away, so I could do that on the road. So I was doing mm-hmm. some travel writing and some other bits and pieces. So I was mm-hmm. earning some money while I was away. Just before I left, I sold my house. I put everything I owned into storage. I sold my car, so I didn't have a single key to anything. Oh, um, really? mm-hmm. So I didn't have any obligations, sort of financially back home um and yeah so I just kind of I made it work with the money that I earned and the money that I sort of saved in a a sort of strict budget you know it wasn't it wasn't actually as expensive as you might imagine I mean you've got living expenses at home my living expenses overseas weren't significantly more really.
0: Now along the way you you know met the people from MEA or tell us yeah how how that happened Your yeah.
2: yeah. So as I was, um, while I was sort of researching my book and writing, um, I came across um, Chip Conley, who's this um, really super interesting American entrepreneur who started um, the Modern Elder Academy in America. And so I was kind of just curious and I was listening to his podcasts and, you know, researching a bit about, the, about MEA, which is the Modern Elder Academy. And so that's how I kind of got introduced to it. And it's basically... Um, it's like the world's first midlife wisdom school effectively is what MEA is um, and it's a p- place where you can kind of um given that we're sort of living it's right, right you know it's actually really interesting when you think about it that compared to our grandparents a hundred years ago we're living on average about thirty years longer, but we're still sort of referencing the same roadmap that you know our predecessors referenced, but in actual fact the kind of the trajectory of our life is trajectory of our life rather is completely different um so at age 54 you're only about halfway through your adult life if you looked if you're going to live to 90 and you consider your adult life from 18 54 you're only halfway through it so the idea of kind of retiring at 60 or 65 just kind of doesn't make any sense anymore anyway so MEA is basically about sort of trying to repurpose your skills and your wisdom and consciously kind of curate the second half of your life so I was instantly intrigued because that's sort of the space I was in I was like wow there's other people out there who Looking at the same things I'm looking at, so um, yeah, that's how I kind of became interested and involved with that the MEA Modern Elder Academy.
1: That's fascinating because I'd never heard of it until I, I read about you. Ah, and okay. I just, I mean, it's clearly targeted to people in middle aged. Is it both genders? And what sort of courses do you take? Is it mostly about self growth? And can you just join online? How does that work? So
2: I've, when I got back from my gap year, I, I was planning to, so the original Modern Elder Academy, the first sort of campus that they call it, was set up in Baja in Mexico um, and they're now setting aside second one up in um, Santa Fe, um, New Mexico, in the United States. But um, I had planned to go to Baja in 2020 to do my, to, you know, to do a, one of their courses, which was going to be very neat and tidy because it was going to coincide with my daughter's graduation from uni in America and it was all going to be great. Anyway, that um, obviously didn't happen. So they actually also run an online course. So I did the online course and then I kept, became involved in the kind of alumni group in Australia And have subsequently kind of become involved in um, bringing that MEAX program to Australia. So it's been really interesting. So um, we're we've actually got some on in person workshops planned in Australia. They were planned for this year, obviously. Again, that's not happening. So they're now in February next year. But marketing and promoting the, the online course, which actually starts next Sunday, the 3rd of October, which is an eight-week online course, which is just one part of what the Modern Elder Academy offers. And it's about it's called navigating midlife transitions. And it's eight weeks and it's based each week is about a different transition, whether that's physical or psychological or professional or whatever these transitions that you kind of encounter in midlife, it's just about looking at the anatomy of the transition and becoming better equipped at navigating them. Um, and it's in sort of small cohorts of eight, um, and for me, like the, the some of the you know the biggest um, benefits were that you know you you actually meet really interesting people that kind of become like your support crew and this well of wisdom that you can tap into as you navigate through your own like messy middle, as I call it. And I don't know, I, I, for me, it was the relationships, which just wasn't wasn't what I even went into it looking for. But you just have really interesting conversations. With really curious, interesting people in midlife who are navigating the same transitions, and you know, one of the things that Chip often says is that um, wisdom is shared, not taught. And uh, you know, I fully subscribe to that. Now I think it's been been an excellent experience, and so it's 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 exciting. We're all just volunteering at the moment in this Australian team, so looking to see whether there's a market for it in in Australia.
1: Yeah. So mm. basically if people want to find more about it, they should, um, just Google MEA Australia online. Um, no,
2: it's also our, um, URL is MEAX.com.au.
0: Yeah. Great. Yeah. Mm. Lovely. I think you've answered this question, but is there anything else you'd like to add in terms of how the MEA, you know, courses have helped you, you know, re- start recurating your life? Or redesigning it for your 50s from the life that ended, you know, bit before you had 50s, which had a particular motion with it?
2: Yeah, look, I think from mm. in terms of what I've taken from from MEA, um, there's been a lot of I, I'm kind of more more I feel more equipped now to um to navigate these kind of transitions, and there'll be more of them, of course. I'm not, you know, I'm under no illusion that that's I'm done and dusted with um endings and transitions and new beginnings. um But I think I'm better equipped. I've got a group of people around me that's sort of a, you know, supportive. And I also think that it's also about saying yes. Like I, I just feel like I'm I'm better now at. at being open to new things, you know. I think over the sort of twenty years that I was raising my children, I just—I'm not that I—I I just sort of got buried somewhere below. I kind of was the curator of other people's dreams, and now I feel much more, you know, alive and just ready to sort of, you know, do what's mine, do do what I want to do next. Oh I yeah, mean, I'm not entirely certain exactly what that is, but it'll there'll be writing. You know, I've, I've certainly discovered my absolute sort of passion for writing. I love this kind of midlife space and helping other people you know reimagine what the next chapter of their life could look like so there'll be you know something will emerge in that in that kind of space and I'm just kind of following these little crumbs of curiosity and sort of seeing where they lead me and it's interesting when you say yes to things doors open and you kind of end up in places where you wouldn't have imagined you would ever end up even sort of 12 months ago so it's been interesting and I'm super excited about you know where we're a little late and I couldn't tell you exactly where that is but somewhere interesting I'm sure.
1: Angela too you've identified every mother's story of curating other people's dreams right that's interesting and I think yeah. what I appreciate is your thoughts on that community right not only just a community with MEA uh, X, but also uh, a like-minded community and people open to growth. And so that's something that you're right. I think often, particularly if you're still coupled with the same person, you almost stop doing, right, because you fall into those old patterns. And so in ending those long-term relationships, it's almost like you don't have a choice but to now kickstart a new chapter.
2: Yep, absolutely. I think it takes a bit of time to excavate yourself from under all the layers of life that kind of built up over the over the last how many decades where you were kind of someone else's support crew or, you you know, you didn't prioritize yourself. So I think over the last, you know, two years, that's sort of what I've been doing. It feels like I've just kind of been chipping away to get back to me again. And I sort of feel more me than I've felt for a long time. So it's, yeah, I feel great.
1: Sound familiar, Kay? You were saying that last week. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I sort yeah. of said,
0: oh, I've rediscovered the old me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about that? It's like, yeah. hey, you're back. Yeah, exactly. No, it is a bit like that, bit of, with, yeah. with a bit of more wisdom. Now, yeah. going back to the MEA, is there a particular age group, like minimum age or maximum age or anything like that for our listeners? No, no, there's not.
2: So they've actually had, um, so I think there's been now over 1,500 people go through MEA Um, In America. Um, And the average age is about 54, but they've had every age from about 35 through to 88. So it's not necessarily defined by an age group. It's just about, you know, we're all navigating transitions. We all want to kind of really kind of consciously manage and curate the next chapters of our lives, whether that's, you know, the middle chapter or the last chapter or whatever chapter it is. It's all about just kind of being conscious and, and using your wisdom, you know, repurposing your wisdom to create something really meaningful.
1: All right. Let's get down to the gossip now. Anne. Did you uh, did you do any dating during your golden gap year? And, and if so, did you use apps or did you do it the old-fashioned way, like, you know, actually meeting people face-to-face? And how's it going on that front?
2: Um, I didn't date during my golden gap year. I do have a partner who I met the old-fashioned way sort of shortly after my marriage ended. So I, I've actually bizarrely never been on a dating app which isn't something I'm opposed to by any stretch. I just, I don't know, I just met someone the old-fashioned way in a bar through a friend and, yes, he kind of graciously was very kind and thought that, um, you know, I deserved my golden gap year too. So, and it's nice. I think, you know, dating someone um, in this stage of my life, I think that the rules of the game are very different, or at least they are for me. I don't necessarily have any inclination to to live together and get married and do any of those things. It's very much the terms of the the terms of engagement are very different. So I'm you know I quite like my own space, but yeah, so it's just um it's a it's and it's all about kind of just you know working it out as you go along a little bit. So it's new to me, but I think um I'm certainly not one to kind of dive in and and reattach uh, for me like my my happily ever after I don't think is attached to someone else anymore. It's it's attached to finding me. So,
0: yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's great. What are some of the things you have found out about yourself through the gap year and beyond, you know, after all those endings? Yeah. What are the new beginnings?
2: Um, so in terms of what I found out about myself, I think um, just reinforced things that I have perhaps known, but that things that were hidden for a while. I think I did rediscover that sort of my my underlying creativity which I've always never you know it's not artistic as in but I do have a love of words and and language and so I think that has certainly been something to develop and grow and something that I've really um nurtured over the course of the last two or three years um I've discovered that I'm kind of stronger and more resilient than I probably gave myself credit for um, and I've discovered that I'm kind of okay on my own I'm 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 happy in my own skin and in my own space and um, I've become a little bit more, I've become a bit better at boundaries, I think, so I'm less likely to, you know, let other people dictate what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it. I think I'm a bit more, um, you know, I'm better at managing those boundaries and I've kind of curated a friendship group now that I think is, you you know, the right people around me. Yeah, so... That's probably what I'd say about, I'm sure there's other things, but I just, you know, that,
1: that's probably the main things I can think of. No, fantastic. Now, you've inspired not only uh, Kishwar and I, but probably all our listeners. Let's say that uh, the borders open up, please, and uh, and we all want to take our golden gap here. What are some mm-hmm. practical things you think women in particular should consider uh, before taking off on this sort of adventure?
2: Well, I'm planning my next adventure for next year at the moment, actually, and I'm planning, um, amongst other amongst other places, I'm going to go to Rwanda, somewhere that I'm desperate to get to. Uh, so that's something that I'm definitely going to do. But I think in terms of planning for women, I don't know that it's different for anyone else, really. I mean, I went with a relatively—I didn't want to find myself in a position from a safety perspective that I I got to somewhere and I didn't know where I was going to stay, and I was. So I did. I I hadn't booked everything before I left, but on my on the road, I would kind of be planning a few stops ahead and making sure I had you know fairly definite plans in place of where I was going to sleep and stay. And but I just I mean I didn't I didn't I I just kind of navigated my way on buses and trains and big red and I cobbled down over the cobblestones and you know and I think you just got people are nice you know I think a lot of people have said oh how did you manage on the stairs and how did you get your suitcase up onto the rack and how did you do this and how did you do that and I'm like oh people offer to help like it's you know I'm not that I was desperate for help anywhere but if you can always just ask someone and most people are quite willing to give you a hand if you need it and I didn't run into any like I, I I honestly didn't have any issues I didn't lose anything I didn't have any safety concerns I mean I was relatively sensible the whole time I wasn't putting myself you know in any risky situations but for the most part, I was, yeah, I think, you know, you've obviously just got to be kind of organised in terms of how you're carrying your money and your insurance and have backup, you know, copies of passports and all, but just the same things you'd do if you were travelling with your family or with anyone else, really. Yeah.
1: It's true. it's true. Yeah. Now, speaking of safety, why Rwanda? I'm just
2: desperate to go there before. I think tourism in Rwanda is really going to take off. Obviously, I'd love to see... The gorillas um and and go on safari and trek with the gorillas but I'm also just really fascinated by Rwanda as a country it's a really interesting place they're quite progressive and they've got more women in parliament in Rwanda than I think does everywhere in Africa or you know they've got a huge percentage of people and women in parliament they're very progressive in terms of conservation um and just a really interesting place and it's actually Um, One of the safest countries in Africa now, you know, Mm. and you know, just curious about it. I've always wanted to go there. I think it's the Gorillas in the Mist from you know back in nineteen ninety whenever that came was (laughs) released. So um, yeah, I think it's just I love and I've been to Africa before. I think I must. I you know I just have this wanderlust. I just want to get to as many places as I can in my dream life. I would have. I'd have sort of six months in Australia and then just six months travelling. I don't really feel the need to put down sort of any significant routes with, you know, houses and gardens and things here. I'm quite happy just to live lightly and travel.
1: So we call this our swipe right at 50 speed dating round, uh, Ange. The idea is... Don't tell your partner. The idea is that um, we uh, throw a few questions at you and you just answer first thing that comes up the top of your head, doesn't have to be in depth, just the first thing you think of, some of which you might have covered already. But are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. First question is How have your priorities changed as you've aged?
2: I've put myself further towards the top of the list.
1: Very good answer. I think hopefully all of us are doing that. Um, How have your dating priorities changed as you've aged?
2: Less inclined, less looking for the father, you know, well, not looking for the father of my children. So just looking for somebody that, you know, is honest and funny and kind and, you know, great company.
1: Nice. Nice. What's the biggest uh, wisdom you've gained in midlife? The biggest wisdom I've gained in midlife. Um, curiosity is the key. Good. I think a lot of people would agree with that. What are you most proud of? Um, I am most proud
2: of. I I'm most proud of myself, actually. To be honest, I think I'm. I'm feeling. I feel like I am stepping into myself and I'm 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 proud of how I've managed the last few years.
1: Nice. What's the one thing in midlife you can't live without and has this changed from when you were younger?
2: Exactly the same. I can't live without eight hours sleep.
0: Oh, that's a good one. Very healthy. Where can people find out more about your experience through your golden gap here? And also M E A X.
2: I've got my own writing blog, which is www.angiam, which is dot com. Um, and I kind of um, sporadically, probably post stories and my, you know, just. Aging Adventures, and that also has all the stories that I wrote during the, my Golden Gap year on it. Um, and Modern Elder Academy in Australia website URL is www.meax dot com
1: dot au. Angela, it's been a real pleasure. I'm so glad I ran across that article about you and your journey on LinkedIn. It's been really interesting. And and like Kay and I say, it's very aligned with um, our message and, and the audience. And, and so I'm glad you're out there providing more information for us. It's It's been wonderful. Thank you
2: so Thank much. It's been lovely to meet you both.
1: Thank you, Angela. Pleasure. Thank you. See you. Then. Bye. Kishwar and I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we recorded today, the Ngunnawal people, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present.
0: We'd also like to thank my aunt, Akta Jahan, for the music.
1: And also my son, Maxwell, for some uh, technical support uh, with the editing.